Our message, or rather our scripture reading this morning, um, comes from Acts 6. We're going through the book of Acts, and we're on chapter 6 this morning. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin, and they produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's in the study book of Acts, which some of the small groups have studied over the past year or more, uh, titled Church on the Edge, that there's a story that's told about a dog that was sitting by an entrance to a small country store. Hour after hour, the dog lay on the dusty old porch, and the only thing that it managed to do was to howl or moan or groan. And a visitor came in and asked the storekeeper, what's the matter with that dog? Well, he's got a burr stuck in his hind leg, replied the clerk. Well, why doesn't he get rid of the burr? The man asked. He would just rather sit and holler, came the response. You see, sometimes we have burrs bothering us. Instead of doing something about it, we would sometimes rather have the discomfort of the problem and just kind of sit and holler and complain than try to solve the problem. When a problem is encountered, everybody has two choices. You either do nothing or you do something. You begin to work things out. The early church of Acts was growing. And we read that the disciples of Jesus were increasing. The apostles had an important role of spiritually feeding the people with God's word. And thousands were coming to Christ. 
And this was through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the apostles, as they continued to preach and teach about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. Now, we can take a step back for a moment to chapter 4, verse 32, where we read a couple weeks ago, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Spiritual food was necessary for church growth. God's word was necessary to be preached. And also what was necessary for church growth was unity. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Unity is key for, for church growth. Chapter 5, the devil attempted to break down this unity in the church and with the lying and the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira. And this was a hard lesson that was learned. And to, to bring an end to disunity, death ended up occurring. And here again in this chapter, we see the devil bringing about disunity. There is complaining going on. And this word complaining is actually a quite a strong word. It's grumbling. It's dissatisfaction. There is a burr among the people. And again, this complaining, this dissatisfaction was such that it was threatening the unity of the church. And it was serious stuff. The word that's used in this chapter about complaining is quite a negative word. And it implies actually that there's a possible church split that's going to occur if nothing's done. So there was a choice. There was a choice to do nothing about it and just let the complaining continue. Or there was a choice to do something, to take action, to work things out. So the apostles choose to let's work things out. Again, as we said, spiritual food and unity are necessary for church growth. And we see also that physical food and physical needs are, are there to be taken care of as well. They're important as well. And as a church multiplied in numbers, as a church growth occurs, there's these growing pains that are happening. Let's go back again to chapter 4, this time verse 34. We also read that God's grace was so powerfully at work in the people that there were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among the people at first. But with the blessings, again, often comes challenges. And that challenge that was presented before the apostles and the church were that the Hellenistic Jewish widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, a little bit of history, typically, a woman whose husband died was often left destitute because women were generally not allowed to own any property. So as a result, they would have to become dependent on the nearest male relative. But in this case, it appears that there were some Hellenistic Jewish widows that likely had no close male relative, and as a result, they had no place to stay. So they were just kind of left on their own. Now they were also, as, as scripture says, Hellenistic. And Hellenistic Jews were Jews born in other lands other than the Holy Land of Israel. And they often spoke Greek rather than Hebrew or Aramaic. And many Hellenistic or foreign Jewish widows came to Jerusalem to be near the temple in the hopes that the church would assist them with the food and their needs. So what was happening... Jerusalem was getting more and more widows 
as the word was proclaimed, as the gospel message was proclaimed, and more and more people were coming to Christ, more and more also traveled to Jerusalem. And then the complaining among the Hellenistic Jewish Christians began. It wasn't the widows that were complaining. It was the Christians. This resulted in a threat to the unity. And now it's possible that there was some sort of discrimination occurring between the inside Hebrew Jews and the outside Greek Jews. It's not clear, actually. But certainly we are told that there is a problem and that there were widows that were being uncared for. Throughout the Old Testament, and even into the New Testament, God was very clear over and over again to care for and provide food for the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. Again, not only spiritual care was important, but physical care was showing God's love to one another. So we've read in this chapter that spiritual needs are important because the apostles emphasize the importance of the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. But they also recognize the ministry to the widows. They also recognize the ministry to, to physical needs is important. So they intentionally seek out for people to serve, for men to serve. And they select, in this case, seven leaders. They selected the first deacons in the church. The criteria was that they were to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, Acts 6, verse 3. They were to be full of faith, verse 5. Now, we only know a little bit about them. Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, verse 5, and he did many wonders and signs. We read that in verse 8. Nicholas was from Antioch and a convert to Judaism. Philip became an evangelist and also did miraculous signs. You can read that in chapter 8, verses 5 to 7. Philip also had four unmarried daughters who prophesied, Acts 21, 8 to 9. And we don't hear any more about Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, or Par Parmenas. So the apostles looked for these men who could wait on tables, or specifically who could distribute food to the widows. Now the word wait here in this chapter means to serve. Serve on tables. Serve food. Take care of the physical needs. Serve. It comes from the Greek word diakonein, where we get the word in English, deacon. So then in verse 7, the author Luke indicates how the church grew. They made the decision for these seven guys. They, they sent them off. And then Luke says that the church grew. This is a way of saying that God blessed this activity and this decision. Now, this does not mean that the apostles did not involve themselves in works of justice and mercy. It doesn't mean that the deacons did not involve themselves in spiritual matters. Both are very much interconnected. They complement one another. The work of the church, though, was divided into spiritual and material. But this was acknowledging that there are different aspects to ministry and that God will use different gifts to serve him and to serve his people as a church. He's going to provide leaders and equippers to equip the saints. We read that this morning in the kids' message, Ephesians 4.12. So basically, these seven leaders were chosen. They were chosen, gifted leaders 
who became overseers of the social assistance of the day. Back in ancient Israel, they didn't have Israel Disability or Israel Works, such as we have Ontario Disability, Ontario Works. They didn't have Israel Pension Plan or Israel Old Age Security. They had the deacons. They had the church. They had community. They had each other. Now, culture has definitely changed in the time of ancient Israel because much of the social challenges today are overseen by the governments and government-assisted organizations. Widows today are allowed to own property. So then where does the deacon fit in today? Where does the church fit in today? I think we can admit that although there are many social assistance programs, there are still several gaps. There are several gaps with orphans, widows, foreigners, and the needy. There are several gaps with vulnerable people. There are several areas that the church needs to seek justice and advocate for those who are unable. Again, the deacons and the leaders are to equip the saints, Ephesians 4.12. And as the church today, we are called to fill the gaps so that we grow the body of Christ. Again, this passage emphasizes the ministry of prayer and the ministry of word and how important that is. And the ministry of serving is important as well. And all these ministries need to be continued. Ministry needs to be holistic. Ministry needs to care for the whole person, the spiritual and the physical. You see, God does not just care for our hearts. He cares for our hearts for sure and our souls. But he also cares for our bodies and our health. God cares for the whole person. Recall words from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, where Jesus says how much he cares for the birds of the air and how much he cares for the flowers of the field and how much more will he not care for the needs of his people and also wanting his people to care for the needs around them. The church has work to do. We are called as a body of God's people to care for the spiritual and the physical well-being of God's people. So God will provide the church, pastors, elders, deacons. He will provide the church with a diverse group of people to build the church up, to grow God's kingdom here on earth. Our God is faithful. We saw that again with all the leaders and all the people who are involved and participate in the body, standing. Our God is faithful, and we can thank him for the many tasks and ministries in the church and in the community that he calls each of us to. As we progress in the chapter 6, take note that Luke focuses specifically on Stephen and the ministry that he's involved in. And take note that Stephen's ministry actually makes somewhat of a shift. Because what can start out as waiting on tables, serving, and distributing food to the widows and serving people, Stephen was a deacon and soon is performing miracles and spreading the word. Again, when the Holy Spirit is at work, we have to prepare that we may be going in a totally different direction that was what, what we thought initially we were going into. The Holy Spirit would direct us and lead us. And it's our role to be obedient. And then we read on that the opposition 
that Stephen encountered as well. And people began arguing with him. And they attacked his integrity and character by creating stories that he was speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. And I have a bit of a spoiler alert, so plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. But Stephen ended up getting killed in the next chapter. And we'll go through that in a few weeks. Although God's people end up doing the right things, there will be opposition and challenges and struggle. Jesus Christ himself was doing the right thing when he ministered and he served during his life on earth. But his life led to the death on the cross. Jesus went to the cross in obedience to his Father in heaven. Jesus was called for a purpose. He was called to seek and to save the lost. And he had his task given to him by his Father. And I think we can all say that we are so grateful that Jesus obeyed his task, as difficult as it was. We've received forgiveness of all our sins. We receive salvation, a free gift, on account of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. We've received new life through Jesus. So thank you, Jesus, for being obedient to your purpose, to your task. And we each have our task given to us. In response to what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, let us too be obedient to our calling. Let us be obedient to ministering to those around us through word and through deed, through serving. And when the struggles and the challenges occur that threaten unity, let's not sit by and holler like the dog with a burr. Let's work together as the body for the unity of the church to God's glory. He calls us to work together as pastors and elders, as deacons, as leaders, as helpers, as prayer partners, as servants. He calls us to work together equipping the saints to the glory of God and building his church here in Exeter, here in this community, in this world. To God be the glory. Together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you've called your people to various tasks. And we've each been called for a purpose. We've each been chosen, elected by you for a purpose. And through your Holy Spirit, make it clear what that purpose is and use us for your purpose. And may each of us go out of our comfort zones to serve you and to serve our neighbors. And may each go out of our comfort zones to share the story of your love and your grace to our friends and families and our communities. And Lord, where, where there do become struggles and challenges, we know that through your power, you will guide us through that. And may we not just ignore the challenges and struggles, but may we do something. Lord, may we follow you. May we be obedient to you in all that we do and all that we say. Open doors of opportunity for us. And it's only in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.